here we are and we're sitting in yeah. your car at Lockine. In Lockine. Which Ayn. is your training ground for how many years? 10, 12 years now. Yeah. You're all very welcome to Tripe and Rasheen's Arts and Culture podcast with me, Ellie O'Byrne. That is legendary Ballydehob open water swimmer Steve Redmond. Just got too old and too slow for rugby, you know. And uh, a friend of mine was training, John Carney, for English Channel. And we he were in wetsuits at the time. We wouldn't even think about skins. He started training and... You know, it's a thing that you always thought of. I, I lived in England, so you knew the English Channel was there, and I was born and reared there, and I, it was the only thing I ever did was swim in an old Victorian place in Shepherd's Bush, Lime Grove, Baths, and I lived there seven days a week. So um, it's the only thing I was really good at. Because I wanted to ask you about that, because obviously we're, so we're here because we're talking about your book, Fastnet, The Final Challenge, and there's so much in it, a huge amount in it, but one thing you don't get in it is a sense of your origins. So I did want to ask you about that. You grew, Did you grow up in London? Yeah, I grew up, I was born in London in uh, bloody St. Charlotte's. I was rare there, stayed there like a lot of Irish families. We, we moved back in 74 from Hammersmith. My dad ran a couple of pubs and uh, he decided to bring us back to Ireland, which was a complete culture shock. I'll never forget, we came back, De Valera had died and no television and it rained all the time and uh, holy How god old were you? Uh, 10 10 at the time wow. and no swimming pool carlo castle and carlo moon yeah. well may as well have been the moon that's for moon <laughs> county Kildare is when we came back to, the to. Moon. <laughs> and yeah it it really was very very strange but we kind of went back and forth to england and i ended up back in england doing the pubs as well you know that's was i took it over as a career but uh we came, I met my wife in a pub in Holloway Road. That's really my origins. There's not much to it. You know, I moved well, down so here. So you were a swimmer, but you were oh, yeah. a pool swimmer. Just a pool swimmer. Yeah. I would swim seven days a week in Lime Grove Baths. And it's closed now. I went back to see it. It's terrible. It was three oh. beautiful Victorian pools. The stink of chlorine would be with you forever. <laughs> you know, and it was really a different world. Like I remember it was fivepence or something to go in. And the Irish and the, the workers used to go in for baths after work mm. covered from head to toe black the paddies mm. you know and uh, that was it was a different world back then but, uh, but you do describe in the book that you spent a time at diving yeah we got a, I, I we had my wife is from Baldehab and her dad got ill so we we had to come home and uh, she said I, we'll have a look from by maybe a bar somewhere and it, uh, she said look you keep going. I was 22 stone. I was drinking heavily. I'd be dead, you know, if I was still in pubs. So she said, look, go as far away as you can. And she knew I was like diving and she knew I liked the water. So I went commercial diving. So we went, I lived in Scotland in Malig for around three years diving for scallop because I didn't like civils. And uh, that was down 30, 40 meters, but just by yourself uh, hunting for scallop on beds. And that's a really interesting career because you become very reliant on yourself you don't need anybody else if something goes wrong down there you have a bailout you have a tank with you you know you have to sort that out yourself or you get to the surface in 30 seconds one or the other so uh, that's i i I was always comfortable in the water for instance (laughs) i was doing a decompression stop off the island sky on a a line at six meters and uh, i got a nudge just on my arm it was a steep because you'd be have your uh, one arm in a, a knot yeah. on the rope at six meters and nine nine six three and uh there was dolphins flying around i thought oh, this is lovely and then the 
boy started getting pulled by the skipper, you know. And I said, there's something wrong then, you know. And a, a pod of killer whales were chasing the flying oh, along. <laughs> and I was fast asleep. And I couldn't come up, you know. I couldn't come up. So he, he was just letting me know they were there kind of thing. But uh, it, it was an interesting career. There was, you know, it was great. You know, this, this time of year you could dive all day long because it never got dark up there. It was where Local Hero was made. Mm. And uh, I was telling... Putnam there last week David Putnam is, lives in Skib here and I was telling him that, uh, you know the beach is still wonderful up there you know but uh, you know you're away from home and I had no kids at the time and my wife was saying okay, you can come home with a lot of work here and I just got into buildings and went from there you know got into rugby over here and met a lot of, a lot of good friends you know uh, in the early 2000s and we started a tri club and that's how it came. I never really started training properly until I got into triathlon. Yeah. You know, and it's like a compulsive obsessive that I, I would classify myself as a disaster area because, you know, you get all the bikes and all the gear and the, the watches and then you're, you know, your wetsuits and your timing and you start training here. And and uh, we couldn't go much further. We did a couple of Ironman in 2008. We did Lanzarote and... Um, I was you, you. I was in the Clydesdale area. I was heavy. I was one of the heavies, like they used to always call us. And we did a lot of uh, half Ironman, but we formed the West Corp Tri Club here in Skibbereen, and that's kind of moved on up to Clonakilty now, abandoned because there's more people up there. Like adventure racing bloomed after mm. it, kind of thing, you know. And now people are you come back and people go from things to things, like you know, and open water swimming. It's just gone crazy, as you know, yeah. over the last three, four years, it's just gone absolutely crackers. You know, everybody does it and everybody's getting something different out of it, which is great. So that's really where I, how I ended up here, <laughs> you know, met comparable lunatics. That's the best way, you know, <laughs> friends like that were all completely crackers. And you find like-minded people and the triathlon was a great area to mm. push yourself further and further. And it, as I say... I used to play rugby for Skibbereen and that was, you know, play, drink until you can't stand up any longer and go home then kind of thing. And I'd be out cycling 50 or 60 miles and I'd see the rugby guys going after and I, I lost around four stone and well, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you change. You felt, Every few years you, you have to change, you know. Mm. And I, I I don't drink anymore. I, I, when my kids came along, I stopped because mm. you just hadn't time. You know, you were sitting there the next morning dying and you couldn't drive and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, that's how we got into open water. And like, I would say I never even knew Loch Ine was here. Maybe once or twice I'd been down here. And as I say, John Carney started training. We started training with the Tri because it's a real safe place, yeah. you know, over there. And, and it's sheltered and there's any very few winds you can't swim here. So uh, that's how we got down here and... Then the the swimming blossomed and we got into togs and we went a little bit further every day and the madness, <laughs> the madness, the madness just went on and on and on and um, and the result is all documented uh, in this book. That's one of the things we're here to talk about. And uh, I mean, it is. I, I'm nearly finished it. I'm I'm in Japan <laughs> no, at the moment. It. I'm just yeah. right at the end there. Japan was hard. Japan yeah. was uh, the people were so fantastic. So for the very few listeners who you might know. not know what it was that you actually did, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the the Ocean Seven. Can you just explain to? The, the Ocean 7 was a thing I didn't know anything about either and um, 
It's the it's seven channels dotted all around the world: the English Channel, North Channel, Scotland to Northern Ireland, uh, Gibraltar, uh, Suguru Channel in Japan between the North and South Island, Cook Straits between the North and South Island, Catalina Island in California to LA, and Molokai, which is from Molokai Island to Oahu, which is fifty miles, and that's the longest one. And no one had ever done them all. So lots of people had done. Some of them, but no one had ever done them all. And as I say, we didn't know anything about them. We just did the English Channel. I I can tell you what happened. Like you know, it's the ocean equivalent of the Seven Peaks. That's mm. the best way of describing mm-hmm. it. And I say no one had ever achieved them all. And we got very lucky. We I got the the North Channel on my first attempt. Like normally, it takes you two. It used to take two or three attempts to get the North Channel because it's full of jellyfish and it's so cold. So that's from Northern Ireland to Scotland. Northern Ireland to Scotland, yeah. And um, no one had swam it for around seven years, and we were the first to do it. And the girl that was trying is from Donegal, and she got it the very next day on her fourth attempt. So it was kind of serendipity, but uh, we got an email from a, a guy in America called Steve Monotone saying, "Now you've done the two hard ones. Why don't you do the other five? And we didn't know what the hell he was talking about. You know, <laughs> it's it was, very comical in the book because after every swim, never so again. You always say it's yeah. like it's like childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like after every single swim, you say, "Okay, that's it. Screw this. I'm yeah. never doing that again. Never again." And then you describe this kind of buildable. Maybe I will um, look, and there's a bit of interest. Winter, and, and someone throws yeah. something at you. Well, the English, the English Channel. Really, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened. It was a friend of mine rang, and I had been up for for the night before the swim. I didn't sleep, nerves and cold sweats, and um, and we. So I was up around 30, 30 hours, forty hours. By the time we got the English Channel done, we took twenty hours on that. My wife was on the boat, and she wouldn't let me out, and she'd sooner watch me die than let me out of the water when I was so close. And um, coming back, and uh, they didn't want me to. St- to go to sleep in case I went into shock and also they had to throw me on a Ryanair flight anyway so they, they had to try and keep me away mm-hmm. but a friend of mine Tom Brown rang and he said this, we were watching because you can watch the swims with GPS you can watch the trackers and everybody was watching and he said it was brilliant he says Steve I got the all clear with cancer and testicular cancer oh. and he says it's brilliant this guy fit fanatic brilliant chap like from Dublin and uh, and around two months later he died oh wow and that's what kicked us onto the North Channel. I didn't even know the North Channel existed. And I was looking around for something to do and for cancer uh, research, you know, and uh, in his uh, in his memory. And um, the boy said, why don't you do the North Channel? And I said, what the hell are you doing? And seemingly it was, it's the most difficult channel of them all because it's so cold. And there's very few days you can get it done. And uh, so much failure up there. Like, you know, you're like I lost a stone, nearly a stone and a half on the swim. On the swim, on the swim alone, over in the fluid, cor- fluid, over the, over the s- hours? seventeen hours, a stone and a half. Yeah, yeah, in fluids. That's this is the thing, and I was taking on seven, eight hundred flu- uh, mils of fluid every forty minutes, yeah. like you know, hot feeds, you know, and still, that would that's what it would take out of you, and that was at the end of the summer where you would think it would be the warmest. The, the, at the time, the thing that the thing, thinking was do it at the end of the summer when the water is warmer and the jellyfish are kind of dying off but now they do it in May, June, July because people the level has gone up again you know like yeah. the swimmers are amazing now like I, I call myself Driftwood I'll get there or Ryanair flight I'll get there eventually I don't know what airport I'm going to get into but I'll, I'll get to the, the I'll get over sometime do you know and uh, as I say I'm quite happy in the water 
but and the people on the boat I told just to keep me going to get me to the other side you yeah. know and they lie profusely like you know that you're doing well and you're stroking well and they'll jump somebody with you but <laughs> you're doing great oh keep you're going. doing great Jeez. you know <laughs> but my brother got in the North Channel and he's a different I'm endomorphic and my brother is a GA player thin and he he's not an open water swimmer he put it big eight mil suit on and caps and gloves that he got in and to put the lights on uh, as it was getting dark. So he was trying to get the, the lights on my back and sp- put safety pins into my togs and on my cap so they could see me. And uh, Paul Anthony, he lasted around 15 minutes before he had to get out. So I said, well, you geez, your togs. If, yeah, it says if he can, if he's brave enough to go in and do that, I, I can't stop. Like, you yeah. know, so that's how it, it worked. I always kind of think of hooks and reasons why I can't let people down when I'm swimming, you know. And, and that's one of the huge things in the book is, well, there's two things that strike you. One of them is the the body stuff, the grueling, the actual descriptions of the endurance are, you know, and like trying to get your kidneys to start functioning again. Something that never occurred to me is that you seem to be in more danger actually uh, after you stop after the in the swim, hours yeah. after the swim, which is just something that you just don't even think about. Yeah. So there's all of that endurance stuff, but then there really is the psychology the, th- the tricks that you use when you're in the water, the things that you repeat your children's names and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, you kind of, I always thought, think it's kind of, you're getting to an area where, you know, you're leaving your body, transcendation, you Ooh. know, you're going and meditating into another area of Ooh. your brain and you're stopping because at the beginning, it's like you're flicking a switch on and off and off and off and will this work, won't this work? And then at the six hours, do you want to get out? And then after 10, well, I'm still alive here now. It's not so bad, like, you know, and there's a big humpback whale and isn't that amazing? Like, you know, that'll mm-hmm. take your mind off things for another hour and just get to the next feed then. And uh, you stop thinking and you start relying on the guys on the boat. Well, they have done all this to get me to this far and I can't stop now. And anyway, they won't let me out anyway. So I have to keep going or die. <laughs> Swim or die. It's as simple as that. Swim or die. And it, it really, you know, I do think sometimes they would have let me sooner watch me, you know, perish than fail. Because when you, I failed a few times on a, quite a few swims and it, it really burns you. And as I say, we would be brutally honest with each other and say, well, this didn't work. That didn't work. And this has to change. And that has to change. For the, the fast net, for instance, we went out and uh, changed a, a pull, a, a different pull, and it wrecked my shoulders. And the guy said, well, you have five weeks to sort this out. They could see everything I did here at the lock, and every swim I did that was coming up on their phones. We want to see 50K weeks for the next three weeks minimum, wow. or we're not going again. Yeah. And that was it, you know. And I had to come down here. and But it was I was very fortunate at the time. There was a couple of English Channel swimmers coming down. They were doing eight hours as if it was a day out and laughing at the good of it. Young guys, you know, I hate young guys, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'd say, the hell with this. And, uh, and uh, it was very funny. He's from Mallow, the chap. And uh, I was I rang him when he was doing his English channel and I said, tell him to stay the hell out of Loch Iron. And they put it up on the whiteboard. <laughs> you know, Keith Redmond says you're not to come to Loch Iron anymore. But he, him being able to do that brought us on kind of thing, you know. Which is worse, the fear or the boredom? when you're in the water you know because a lot of it because you just it's just periods of isolation as well where you've got nothing to think of your mind is just seems to be running and running yeah, and stuff yeah. I, I would say that the fear of not finishing mm. is, is really the thing that would drive you on like 
in the end I don't want to see anything I just concentrate on the boat and following that and you can't see anything in the water anyway you can only see maybe four or five car lengths in front of you is the best way of describing it and you try never to look back because you realize Jesus I'm here three hours and the the English Channel was terrible I kept looking back and I could see the white cliffs yeah. forever yeah and it would never get out of my view <laughs> and uh, you know so it's funny things would creep up in your in your mind and, and destroy you weird things freak you out yeah uh, but you you would eventually just completely switch off I, I went to a lady called Maureen Duffy in Baldob and she taught me a, a fair bit of uh, self-hypnosis and that really helped because you you are freaking out as you say you're, you're questioning are we ever going to finish where are we and you you don't start you start questioning the guys in the boat or what they're doing and the, the feeds are wrong and stuff like that and you have to accept everything that's, that's occurring like and everybody is trying to get you to that that's finished the second we used to always call it Noel calls it the second the, mm -hmm. that perfect second like in Japan they would call it uh, the cherry blossom the cherry the perfect piece of cherry blossom like you know that's the perfect day for them and that's why it's such a big deal this cherry blossom in Japan but uh, Noel always called it that perfect second when you just stand up at the end, you look around, you're still alive, you're covered <laughs> in muck and gunk and grease, and you've done it. And, th and then it's gone because time moves very quickly, like, you know, yeah. and everybody has a good cry or curses you for being so slow. And But they're all working towards that, having that experience as well. Like, you know, you're, you have all these people on a boat, maybe three or four, and no one else in the world will ever have it. That yeah. experience, so that that was really always the special moment. Like you know, and then they put me to bed and go drinking. You know, come on, get in, throw a few buckets of hot water over me, and hurry up. We want to get back to the pub <laughs> and put you to bed. Give you a Lucas aid. You're okay, fine. Neurofen, fine. Yeah. You're grand. <laughs> you know? What was it like to be at the center of a broader community? Because you got a huge amount of support around Ballydehob and stuff. Yeah. And then, of course, when you did it and you got to come back, you got a real hero's welcome. Uh, it, it was, you know. I cry easily. Like I'm a kind of victim of Clagan type. I'd be crying very, but <laughs> it was overwhelming, and it's still overwhelming. Like I, we're, we're hoping to, we're doing a book launch in a couple of weeks' time, and I feared that that I will be in tears most of the time because it's everybody's book. There's people in it from the beginning, like that are gone, you know, and there's still families that helped me at the very beginning, and you know they're all in it, and and it really is everybody's book. It's not mine at all because everybody got you there like you know you come back from japan after failing so miserably and two attempts and a, an eight a 13 hour swim and end up back where you started and you have to thank the japanese skipper and you have to thank the guys that organize it because that is just the way over there you don't come out and lose the head you know mm. it's, it's just a different culture and then you get stuck in three typhoons everybody gets sick the expedition hatred <laughs> is the nicest way of saying it no one wanted to know each other on the plane like i sat there he sat there we all Jesus. said god it was terrible but uh we came back straight into ballad hub and a week later, we were being organized to go back out again. Nobody would allow you to fail. And that was, it took a momentum. Like you could come down here in the evening and train and there'd be two guys up watching you, watch your time, you know. They'd stay for hours, these two old boys, these two fine wow, brothers. that's amazing. Yeah, and it yeah, was, yeah. you know, and I always laughed. They used to come into the shop. This guy came into the shop and I'd say he, he had his communion money, you know, and he, he always was covered in cow shit. I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> farmer, you know, a horny farmer with one tooth. 
But he says, Steve, you made a terrible bollocks of that, didn't you? You know? <laughs> That's the best way. And I said, don't hold back, you know, don't hold back. No, no, no. He said, Jesus Christ, what were you thinking at all? You know, and, uh, and he threw a tether up in the counter. That's for the next one now. And don't cock it up like, you yeah, know. Yeah. But he was down two days later on the slip here watching the swims. And everybody got involved. Physio would help you. Nutritionist would help you. And, and it became a real, everybody became an open water expert, you know. Yeah. And, uh, like we we didn't know what was going on because we were so far away in Japan and it was really it's the it's the far side of the world you're Gai Chi over there like you know and like we were just relieved to get it done because it was our last day and mm. Red Bull had left everybody had left mm. us and uh, we didn't think we'd ever get it on the second trip again we thought we were flummoxed and you know so it 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 is it really the book is belongs to everybody you know and as I say the the 10 years we've not lost a lot of people that were involved in it you know and it, and that's emotional as well and swimming is a very emotional thing and people as i say get lots of lots of things out of it and they find themselves in the water and all this jazz but i, I find swimming emotionally i i love it and then i can hate it an awful lot as well like mm. you know because it's the failure and the hardship of training and stuff like that and i'm i'm only back to training now solidly because in the winters i get stuck in basketball coaching basketball okay, underage basketball yeah. I have another question for you and it's is there a sense of anti-climax when you've done it I mean you you achieved this incredible thing was it weird afterwards you yeah know, just uh, hanging uh, around going now what well in, in Japan it was weird when we finished because the skipper was drunk <laughs> and there was nobody on the pier because uh, nobody cared what you were doing there it was an old little tiny fishing village and uh, we were going the next morning at, and we got back in around four o'clock and we were going at seven. Noel had two cans of beer out of the vending machine down in the foyer. He had a, that's his celebration. And I was up, I spent three hours trying to clean all my gear and clean the gunk and the Vaseline and the lanolin. So this is, you rub your, you, you coat you yourself coat in You yourself this. in it so mm. you don't get stung or sunburned. And, and Japan was vicious. You could get sunburned just as badly as New Zealand. Like in an hour, you could have third degree burns and with the wind and, you know, you're being magnified in the water. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was very, it was very weird. And then there was no celebrations in the hotel and like they, they, they didn't know what you had done. And, uh, and back to, uh, the airport and it was, uh, holiday in Japan so there was no hotel room so we were sleeping in the airport on the floor watching the planes go by and we actually got a, a room in a Japanese hotel which was another crazy experience <laughs> that we don't we, we always just keep to ourselves because it was just too strange but uh, until we got back to London and then we were sitting in the in the, the Aer Lingus departure lounge and people were reading the papers and we thought holy god this is on the paper and then we twigged that it had been a big deal because we really didn't start it out as a race but we were told by everybody that you couldn't do it you, you live here there's you've no coach you've no money it was 2009 2010 it's a folly so we kind of the boys took over the getting me to the places and i just you concentrate on the training and we'll figure out some way of doing it and that's how they came up with the idea of trying to do uh, Molokai and who uh, California together, you know, the mm. same continent yeah. within two weeks of each other, which was completely crackers. But we got away with it, you know, and we we failed Molokai in the first first attempt. But that's what they came up with, and uh, you know, and as I say, it just gathered momentum mm. and a life. Every swim gathered a life of its own, 
And unfortunately, with the Japanese, everybody just thought it was a breeze, jump on a plane, go over, you've done all the others, now you can yeah. easily do this. Yeah. Nobody took into consideration this was just a crazy hot swim, like, you mm. know, and, and very, very difficult. Was it the hardest? Which it, was, it, was a, it was a lottery. Like, one day you could go there and be perfect conditions. The next day you could go there and it was just a, a three-mile current coming against you and you were going nowhere. And it was early in the season. And we were we were up against Darren Miller and Penny Palfrey, who were fantastic swimmers, way ahead of me. And Darren got Japan the day before me. And, uh, and God bless him, he left every piece of kit that he had with hmm. me. It was a wonderful thing. All his flasks, everything. <clears throat> and were you comp- driven competitively like that? We, Did it get to the stage when we got so close. to complete this before anyone yeah, else? Yeah, when we got so close to it, uh, we couldn't fail. Kind yeah. of thing. You know, we couldn't be look six and then Penny Penny will come over and she'll get in the water and she'll go over the North Channel in 10 hours because she's that fast, a straight in swimmer, you know. But she, she came over and she, she, the cold got her. Yeah. Unfortunately, and she's gone into triathlon now. She does nothing but tries and Ironmans. But uh, she had two attempts and it then he killed her, like, you know. Yeah. And for instance, the, there was three swims two years ago, three years ago in the North Channel. And uh, the girl got so badly stung, she went into anaphylactic, oh, spent geez. six weeks in hospital. And the, the guys, the two guys, one day after the next, got destroyed as well. So, yeah. So uh, do you think that what you just we, have we, is just... We were just lucky. Resilience? Because well, you, you, you know, you're swimming through jellyfish, yeah. you're dealing really well with the cold. But as you say, we like you're not pay, the we fastest like swimmer or yourself. I, yeah, I think, yeah. you, you, just, you can just take more punishment yeah. than a lot of people but, can. Well, we, you know, you, you have, like for the North Channel, I had been taking antihistamines for a week beforehand and we had some adrenaline uh, and some heavy tablets on board for my shoulders in case my shoulders locked up but I never needed them but just the the realization that I had these taken I didn't really mind about the stings so much because I was cold they always told me if you get the stings when you're warm at the beginning and Marina Ward that's what happened to her she'd go into the swim and she was warm and she's a strong girl and uh, she would get destroyed at the beginning. And yeah. That's what she always stopped her. Whereas I got them around 10 hours in and I had eight hours of them. So you're cold. So it was fine. You were cold. And you didn't get, <laughs> you know, two weeks later, you were there and you were driving out and you get a, the jerk because the sting Jesus. was still in, like, you know. But uh, that's what uh, yeah, I feel, just put it into my head. Look, you're fine. You're not, you know, you're cold. What about not... the creature? You know, because one of the things for me swimming in deep water is just something can just come up underneath you and you have this one that you describe where you get caught going into the water so you're bleeding and then you're surrounded by yeah. sharks that, that was that was the first one in Molokai you know yeah that was uh, were you frightened you must have been uh, frightened oh well the, the Jaws music is yeah. on it every everything yeah, my yeah. kids had the Jaws music on my iPod <laughs> I had iPods at the time and they'd watch the film and then we knew all the lines you know and they used to text me you know have you got a big boat you know and, but uh, this, the, that was that was horrible because uh, the skipper's first mate was sick. And my brother was the feeder animator for me, and uh, the boat kept getting blown away from me. So the boat was around four hundred meters away all the time. Okay, so yeah. you were absolutely on your own yeah. in the water. I had lights on, and my brother spent thirteen hours trying to find me in the sea, and that's like trying to watch a moving statue. And uh, he 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 told me he never got over for around six months. He, we never discussed. That's the only one we never discussed. He was frightened. He was terrified yeah. that he'd lost me numerous times during the day. 
because the skipper was trying to control the boat and get it back. Like for instance, on a feed, he the skipper would be in full reverse, and uh, they'd be throwing the the bottle to me, and I'd be drinking it, and the boat would still be getting banged away because, and uh, just the, the just sharks would kind of like they're like crows, they carry them, they come in on your urine trail or your heartbeat, I don't know. They'd come in and you'd roar at them in the water kind of thing and they'd take off again. They didn't They didn't want to fight. And the no. skipper said, oh, they won't be in any interest in you until the morning or the evening. I said, well, we're starting to swim at 4 a.m., you know. I said, they'd be bloody interested then. And as I said, he said, don't get caught in the reef. And, <clears throat> and that's exactly what happened when you're going in. And I got caught in the reef, got rolled over it. And it was just like razor blades, the whole side, busted nose. And lost the goggles and the cap, and I thought, oh, jeez, this swim is gone already. And the skipper said, look, you know, we'll, he, we threw Vaseline into me, and I just Vaseline my legs and my body where I could get it in the water. Uh, I swam back out, and he, as I say, he gave me the Vaseline, and it wasn't too bad. The nose was bleeding a bit, and it gave me a fresh pair of goggles, and we got going. But it, it, was, a, it was the worst. That was the worst. And... You know, they'd come in and look at you and go swim around. And then everything became a shark. White, you know, yellow yellow tuna would come flying by a shark, you know. And you just didn't know. You know, in the dark, then we, we could see the lights of Honolulu. We were still around seven miles off. And uh, they were kind of just starting to brush. And being a diver, you know, you as I say, we were really happy in the water. But, you know, it would only take one of them to frenzy to go to town. Like, you know, yeah. and then you'd be gone. And as I say, my brother... Was, he said, you're what, you're 20 stone of uh, fish bait. That's how he would describe me, like, you know. So we were left on the quay by the skipper. He paid $20 for the cab, and that was that. And uh, we we didn't actually talk. We talked about anything the whole way back to Shannon because you get a six-hour from Honolulu to L.A. and then straight on. And you're on this damn plane, and the the... The guys on the plane of going to Hawaii, you're all high, you know, and you're in the sunshine skies and you're coming back from Hawaii and you had a great time and you did you meet Steve McGarrett and uh bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ, leave me alone. Tell me about writing the book and how that stacks up as a challenge. Jesus I mean clearly, you know, when you which would you rather do, write a book or uh, swim? Then? Swims swims anytime. <laughs> The, the, it, as I say, it kind of it was journals more than anything, and it kind of got expanded. Uh, after every swim, you know, for after a, a Catalina, I wrote a piece called "I Know Nothing," and I, I sent it to the Catalina gang, and they sent they put it up on their website in their paper, and they thought it was really good. And I, I said it's bullshit, like you know, but it's just thoughts. All we were putting down was genuine thoughts and other people's thoughts, and it kind of mothballed from then that we realized when we had seven swims here now and there's a lot of there was like war and peace until the, the, my publisher edited it and that's how we did it after every swim we just did maybe two days a day and a half of writing yeah and uh, anything that would come into your head anything so you could remember it more than anything yourself there was never any intention of books and it, it sat there and he said well, you, you know, we got an agent and he, he never did anything around two years and then it was gone so we said to hell with it, leave it alone. And we got stuck in Fastnet because we used Fastnet as a training swim for Molokai and for North Channel because it's, the water out there is very similar to uh, Northern Ireland and New Zealand. It's very cold and lots of tide and stuff. So I just want to um, just maybe clarify for people 
um, what you mean by fasten it because this is not one of the the seven. Sevens, this is a swim yeah. you devised yourself. Yeah. yeah. So where does it go from? It's 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 entirely up to the swimmer. You can <laughs> swim from Baltimore to the fastnet, or you can go on a boat and steam out to the fastnet, which is the teardrop, which is the last place that the Irish seen when they were leaving in, in being immigrated out of Ireland. It's the last place, the most southerly tip of Ireland, and uh, every time you go out there, it's a different, it's a different place every time you go out there and we had friends who actually worked on it called Neely Riley so we had tides and we had fishermen that fished there so we had tides so we had experts and John Carney was a diver and he dived a lot out there we said why can't we try that as a six-hour swim for the English Channel and that's how we we did it first we just did it everybody has to do a six-hour swim so we did a six-hour swim back in Steve Black was in the water and um, we got it and my father-in-law died that night so we were swimming in Chan three weeks later and this is how we devised it we said well let's try is it possible to swim from Baltimore to the fastnet to Skull that's around the, the length of the Cook Straits it's even harder and like no one had ever done it before we said sure look John Kelly said we'll have a go get a favourable tide leave Baltimore on a high tide the water will bring you westerly you'll have six seven hours to get to the fastnet and then the water start pushing you to Skull that's in theory and uh, that's how it grew, the obsession with the fast. I could always see the light from my, my bedroom, the light flashes in through the window. And uh, it doesn't anymore because I've changed the optics on it. But, you know, it was always there and no one had ever done it. And it was right in our backyard. And it's, it's without shadow, without the best water I've ever swam in, you no. know, because there's so much action out there now between whales, minkies, dolphins jellyfish everything is out there and it's around a mile a kilo and a half off fastnet the temperature drops around three degrees so you have cold water there all year round as well mm. so it was ideal for us and we, we were fortunate we got it on the first attempt we got into skull and now other people do that as a swim we have a speed record just done on tuesday by an american guy i hate these guys 27 years of age <laughs> ziffy was just swimming a few lengths of cool <laughs> Five hours twenty, he did it. Oh. Five but hours it was twenty. Fantastic. What was your time? Oh, it's, uh, seven hours. I'd be doing yeah. it. Six under under seven. I'd be very happy. I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. Nathan Timmons held it, and a lady from America who this guy trained with held it. She's sixty-seven. Wow. Yeah. So the age means nothing. That's the great thing about swimming. The age really doesn't. In the water, everybody's equal. That's what it know? says on the back of this book. The water does not know how old I am. It's as simple as that. It really doesn't, you know. And uh, you know, you go into the water. But you know how old I know how old I am, and I. But you can't stop. What you are you know? going to do when you have to eventually stop? There's going to come a day where you have your last ever swim. Oh yeah, but uh, do I you think about that? I'll co. No, no. no. You have. We haven't time to think. You have to <laughs> go, yeah. because if we had waited with all the swims for the perfect days, you'd never have got them. Yeah. You know and perfect situation like you know you have loads of money or you have a sponsor or things like that you've never got any of that so you just had to go with what you had and make do and deal with the, the problems and like that's what it is the, 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 all the swims are kind of days in your life that you will train for and everything is multiplied by a thousand on that day yeah and uh, you know you as you say you're thinking about so much everybody is connected like unfortunately you're connected now to me because I bored you telling you the story 
and you've read the book, God help you. But uh, now we, you know, I can contact you anytime. And I, I still t never fell out with anybody that we dealt with. That was the biggest thing we always said. Try not, never to fall out with anybody. And we can talk to everybody that was on all the swims still. Mm. And it's wonderful. It, it's a global thing. What do you hope people get from this book when they read it? What would you like them to take away from it? <laughs> I, I honestly... You're not, it's not in any way, you're not blowing your own trumpet in this at all. I mean, you're renowned for your kind of self-effacing modesty. I mean, it's just very much a description. You're not going like, and I did this amazing no. thing. That's not what the purpose of the book is. So I'm wondering what you'd like people to get from it. It's an incredible story, you know. I, I, I would think that, you know, people often sell themselves short. They, they, they come up with the why I can't do things yeah. very quickly, you know. And we always used to say, just give me one reason. We went to a, a, a swimmer's Christmas party once in Kinsale when we were trying to find money. And every one of them told us, we Steve Black went one way and we, you know, a swimmer's convention, everybody lies. <laughs> I'm doing 500 meters, 500 miles every week, or I'm doing a thousand miles a week. You know, everybody lies, it's hilarious. But uh, we got one guy that said, the big thing you got, Steve, is you got the North Channel. Nobody's got that. Mm. And we never even figured that one. And that was all we needed, you know. Yeah. And that, that changed the whole thing. So it's just people can decide, just, people you, can decide to do whatever the hell they want really, to do. It's really their choice, you know, you, you how far you want to go. Be happy with whatever you decide, you know. Don't blame somebody else for it. Yeah. You know, because that's instant gratification is a kicker, like, you know, and people want to think they, oh, we'll have the musical interlude in the film and then I can do whatever, you know, I want, you know, and that doesn't work. The world doesn't work like that at all. Yeah. And it was really slow, slow changes in my life and that changed me and my family and the people around me. If you can get the right people around you, you stay with them. And you, you freely admit to being an obsessive personality oh god yeah and you told me before we started this interview that you have a new obsession now. oh god yeah open water swimming and beekeeping and beekeeping, beekeeping i got into it garod mccone in the, as i say in the winter i would train basketball and garod mccone is the local guy that has bees and he, he i'd be catching a hold of a referee by the throat in holly hill in cork and and he'd be saying steve you need to calm down you know <laughs> You need to get a beehive for yourself. And now I have five bloody beehives. Uh oh Yeah. And yeah. I have two swarms, so I have seven now. Okay. Over, overnight. But it's incredible. It's another thing that kind of latches you back into, you know, a friend of mine used to tell me, go out in the morning and stand in the grass in your bare feet or go into the water and you kind of earth back down into the, the world, you know, yeah. you become part of the world. And that's what the bees are as well. You see these crazy things working themselves to death. For what? A spoon and a half of honey each bee will make. That's that it. That doesn't resonate with you at all, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but, crazy things crazy, working themselves but, to death. Yeah, but you see, it, it never felt crazy. You know, it just—it feels quite it, normal. To the outsider, it is batshit crazy. Like but some you, of it seems you, just you, like you—you—you you, you are very close to death. Sometimes you're close to death. You've made a series of choices that have that have brought you to the very edge of what a human being's body can endure, a lot of people will never understand that. But you see, people are have changed. The lockdown has changed an awful lot of way people think. I don't know if work is as important as it used to be to a lot of people, and people are always searching. And people are, are training better now. 
So I think people, as I say, the North Channel now, people are doing it, you know, first attempts and flying over it, which was unheard of 10 years ago. You know, was, you never went near the bloody thing because it was just too difficult. So I, I honestly think that people are, are better now at doing crazy things. And like, I haven't met that many normal, I don't meet normal people. There is no such thing. Uh, have you met normal people? No, I don't meet them. No one is normal. Like, I'd love to meet a normal person. <laughs> I'd love to because I have yet to manage it. Because every time you get talking to somebody, you think, well, that's a bit, that is crazy. And it's, mm. and it's, it's just normal, you, you know. And the, the swimming is very, very quiet, routine, filled. You know, you, you have to do what you have to do or you're not going to be ready. And it, you kind of body load and... and the only good thing about swimming is cake and food. You, know? <laughs> you can eat as much as you want. Thinking about, for around three hours and you're thinking about a, a huge slice of chocolate cake or coffee cake from somewhere like, you know, and a coffee. You know, yeah. You know. It's getting really warm in this car and I really want to actually get into the water. <laughs> I think I'm going to go for a short swim. I think you should go for a swim. Um, but, but I do want to just ask you just finally about... Uh, what you're doing now yep. so you have a couple of events for this book so you have a launch and then you have, presumably will be doing some we hope to be well my publishers uh, mary and uh, morris i seem to be planning lovely events for me to go to and, and book signings but we have a launch in the west cork on the, the 9th of june it's turning it looks like there'll be five or ten people there anyway to take the piss out of me or whatever like you know but we couldn't figure out, we wanted to have it in Baldahub, but if you had it in Barry O'Brien's, Rosie's would be annoyed with you. So you had to find a, a, a neutral <laughs> venue. <laughs> yeah. So, but, because uh, as I say, every one of them helped me and everybody in Skibbereen helped me. So I, I kind of find I owe people still. They can, if anybody asks me for help ever, anywhere, if I can help them, you know, do some talk or something for them, I, I always go, like, you know. Yeah. Because, uh, as I say, I owe everybody, and uh, I think that's the best way to, to behave with people, you know. And, and there's another way of looking at it, which is that we all owe you, because you furthered, you know, that thing. So, like the first time somebody climbed Everest, it was a huge deal, and now grannies go up yeah, all the time. Yeah. If you prove that something is doable, the yeah. people who follow in your footsteps have been given the lead by you, and and you've done that. Yeah, but as I said, there's, there's people are looking to go further, like. Like I, I have a, a dodging bad knee. I can, you know, it's gone. Uh, can't taste, can't smell much anymore. Going deaf, blind in one eye nearly, and then they call me an elite endurance athlete, which I, I think is. I always laugh when. What they, are you something. training for? Something? At the oh, well, are you always, for as I say, my skippers oh and my friends always put ideas in my well, yeah. head in the middle of winter. Like <laughs> I leave them to fester. So. So I have six, I run five weeks to get ready for a swim. Okay, uh, and what, do you want to talk about what it is? Well, it's, it's a, uh, I don't know if we can do it, you know, but my, Kieran Collins, my skipper, who always, he's a, he's a, if I'm a compulsive obsessive, he's a ridiculous optimist. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's, that's the best way of describing yeah. him. <laughs> and he's put out a, an idea that we swim uh, Baltimore Fastnet Mizzen. Because oh, he wow. says, when you get to the Fastnet, Steve, you're nearly at the Mizzen anyway. So, you know, but there's a couple of days where the tide... It's tides, rough out there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But there's a couple of days where the tide actually runs for longer than around eight, nine hours westerly. Yeah. And if you get on them and get close to shore, you'd get out of the surge of it coming back against you. But that's... That's you know, the next All one. down to getting some heavy training in for the next five weeks. Okay. 
So if the bees stops bloody swarming, I might get a chance, but we, we're back in the water here early in the morning and we'll be building up very quickly and see how the shoulders take it, you know. As you say, I'm, I'm getting old, miserable and crotchety, but then the guys will tell you that it was that, like that 10 years ago anyway, you know, so <laughs> I haven't, things haven't improved with age. Well, best of luck for that swing. Please remember that Tripend Machine is a reader-supported, ad-free platform. If you like what we do, you can subscribe for just €8 Euros per month or €80 Euros per year. And you can also help us by sharing articles on social media channels and getting in touch with us on our social media channels, which are at Tidrashine on Twitter or Tripend Machine on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.